Here at Visit with Spirit, we are not out to prove or disprove anything. We are not asking anyone to believe or not believe. We are asking that you, the listener, are compassionate to what our guests have experienced, whether or not you believe, that you respect their journey as we help them on their path of healing. Welcome to Visit with Spirit, and we're here to listen to stories from those who have had a paranormal experience, as well as to help them process, understand, and feel good about it. Hello, souls and spirits. Welcome back to Visit with Spirit. I'm your host, JD. And I'm your host, Lisa. So today we're going to talk about psychics and what no one talks about. I I think that the reason why no one talks about It is because they just don't know about it. And a lot of their beliefs are built on, you know, a lot of the things that they've observed in a bit of a dramatic sense on like television or online. So I think to bring a little bit of a personal perspective to this will help people to get a little bit more understanding of it as well. Yes. But I think as psychics, we don't talk about a lot of what we're going to cover today because I think there is this need for perfectionism, which we were talking about before, that there's a need to appear perfect or to appear above perceived flaws. And I'm all about being as real as possible. And I think the inspiration for today's topic is to really demystify some of the process and some of the behind the scenes view for people who are not practicing or working psychics or intuitives or light workers or Reiki healers, you know, anybody in this vein, it's, you know, the title says psychic, but it's not just psychics. So let's start by talking about fatigue. Psychics and light workers and healers can tend to overwork themselves that Oftentimes you're going to find people who do this work, their day jobs are often doing service type work. So they're constantly working with the public. They're constantly drained, not even on like from their psychic work, but it's almost like this weird overlapping. So they just, they give and give and give of themselves until they are exhausted. A great session will absolutely energize you when you're prepared, when you're ready. But psychics will often just go and go and go until they're burned out or they don't know how to shut down. Like they don't understand that it's okay to, as you said, set healthy boundaries, that they don't have to be on all the time. They don't have to be working all the time. Yeah, I know that when I do mediumship work, I set a pretty hard hour and a half limit Sometimes I'll go up to two hours. Now, psychic work, I can, I can do eight hours of that and I'm okay. Like I can, I have, I have a lot of stamina for that. But when you're doing mediumship, it is, uh, it takes more out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think each person is different. I know that my limit is about the two hour mark. So I'll end it like, you know, at an hour and a half. 
gives a little kind of overlap time. But I see a lot of burnout in mediums and psychics and healers. Have you noticed that in your in your journey and working with others? Yes. Now that, you know, on a personal level, so again, setting boundaries with spirits, but setting boundaries with people mm-hmm. to be able to step back sometimes to say, I like you said, I don't have to always be on. I don't have to always have my gift tuned in waiting for somebody to need it. I think because we are in a service industry as psychics, we do want to use our gifts. We feel compelled to use our gifts. We don't have to use them all the time every day. Yeah. So I think when people approach us for readings and for certain things, if you're having a tough day, if you're just like, you've had appointment after appointment, or you've just burnt out at the end of the day from your day job and someone wants a reading, sometimes you do have to know when to say, you know, I can't really do that tonight. Let me schedule you for tomorrow. Yes. Exactly as you thought, energetically, you're not in the right place to know almost like a bit of self-care for yourself so that you can be present and you can connect with the energy that you need to, to be able to deliver accurate information and not do it out of a sense of service or out of, out of a sense of obligation to be able to deliver your services. It's funny as you're talking, it also brought to mind, there's a third cause or causation of fatigue or a third reason why people feel the need to be on all the time is that there's an ego thing at play, a need to prove oneself of like, look how good I am. Mm-hmm. And so these are the readers who, and we're going to talk about this in a, in a later episode, who very unethically psychic bomb you. You might be friends with them or you might be in the grocery store and they're like, I'm getting something. Can I please give you this message? And you're like, yo, I'm, I'm just trying to grocery shop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not out here trying to get a reading. So if you are that psychic, please don't do that. I consider that a psychic attack. Like if somebody is not asking you to do a reading, no, don't. Mm -hmm. Like there needs to be that free will of exchange. Yes. You don't need to prove yourself. No, because I think you're proving yourself to yourself. There's a bit of a, I think it's a confidence thing. It's not. Yes. Okay. It's a part of your, your personality and a part of your core, but it's not everything. I've done events, many, many events over the course of the years. And every once in a while, I'll get this. It's usually a male who will do this because they tend to be a little bit more skeptical, not to pigeonhole, but you know, they'll come to me cross-armed like, okay, what can you tell me? I'm like, well, sit down, let's talk. Mm-hmm. And usually by the end, they're like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah. But I, I'm at that stage where I don't feel the need to prove myself. And in fact, in our intro, it's right there. Like we're not here to prove or disprove, you know, you can believe or not. But if somebody comes to me, I I do want to work with them. I don't feel the need to disprove, but you know, and I think that's why I'm not, I'm not on all the time. In fact, I'm off 90% of the time. I purposefully have to tune in for my own energy because otherwise I'll be getting stuff all day long. And, you know, third dimensional real life has to, has to take precedent Mm -hmm. over what I'm getting in spirit. And I think for the fellow psychics and intuitives out there, it's okay to set those boundaries so that you don't get fatigued, but also have enough confidence in yourself that you are not going up to random strangers and giving them readings without 
their permission mm-hmm. because that can give people a bad taste. It also gives other intuitives kind of a bad rap of like, of being intrusive mm-hmm. or, oh, I wonder what they're thinking about me or reading. No. Intuitives who know boundaries understand that it's important to not go around reading everyone. Yes. Yes. That would be so overwhelming. Can you imagine just going into a grocery store and be like, let me tune into everybody here right now and see what I pick up. I'm, oh I'm my gosh. more likely to turn it off because I don't want to check in with whoever's standing next to me at the deli and be like, oh man, they're having a rough time. I, I just want to get my sandwich. <laughs> there are certain places. And again, we're, you know, so, so many future episodes here, but there are so many places where I have to turn off because let's say I'm going to a funeral. I want to be present and there and mourning. I don't want to be tuning in at that time. I want to process my own feelings and deal with my emotions. And I think it's very easy to tune in almost as a way of escape. Yes. You don't have to deal with your own emotions. Yeah. It took me a long time at funeral homes to turn it off. I would be the person that would have to keep going outside because I would just, not only am I already overwhelmed with my own emotions, but everybody else's is coming at me. And I'm like, I just need some fresh air. So I would keep going outside and people would be very understanding of it, but they didn't realize why. So it was, it took me a long time to learn how to manage that. Which actually is a good practice if you are an empath dealing with parties and social situations, going outside, just getting out for a bit. Mm -hmm. That it's super important. You know, one of the other things we want to talk about too, and what we don't talk about enough is that it's normal to question our own abilities. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Always got to check in. You know, in fact, I kind of want to say that ethical psychics and intuitives do question. They don't have an unwavering belief in everything that they're getting. I think healthy skepticism is important, but intuitives, just like everybody else, suffer insecurities and they wonder like, am I really getting this? Which I've been with a group of intuitives and we all sat there and and one person was like, do you ever feel like you're just making this up? And we all just looked at each other. We're like, oh my God, yes. But then you get the validations and you get the people who it is so nail on the head information that you're like, oh yeah. And I'm constantly in awe of those sessions where it is nail on the head one point after another. And I think it's normal to question and I think it's healthy to question, but it doesn't mean that you aren't getting information. It doesn't mean that, you know, I think somebody might call it imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear that a lot in the writing community that they don't feel like a real writer. That isn't to say that there aren't people faking this. There are absolutely people who are con artists, for lack of a better term. And unfortunately, they give the rest of the community a very bad rap. Mm -hmm. But it is important to be able to kind of root that out and find those out. And it is difficult in a profession where there is so little physical evidence for it. You have to just go with the validations that you get. I think I've been surrounded my whole life with people who are skeptical. And I think that's always kept me a little bit grounded. 
And it's interesting that now I've switched to an online medium through doing this work that oftentimes I'm looking at a blank screen while I'm talking to somebody. So I can't read their body language. Sometimes they're on mute. So I'm not getting their audio feedback until after I've given all the information. So all of those little signs that people would say, you know, there's a whole Penn and Teller series on debunking, which I'm perfectly fine with. Again, you want to believe or not believe that's up to you. And a lot of those things, when they talk about a cold reading, goes out the window when the mics are turned off and you're talking to an empty screen. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're getting all of this validation afterwards. Like they turn on the screen or they turn on the mic and they're like, oh my goodness, you hit on this and this and this. You know, my favorite story was when I first started with this work, I had somebody very close to me who didn't believe this and they didn't believe anything that I was doing, which again, fine. And I had somebody call me and I was a part of a group and I had somebody call me to help them find their lost dog. Now, at the time I had not done any remote viewing at all. I had certainly not done animal communication and there were other members of the group who were far better suited for this. And I'm thinking, why on earth are they calling me? (laughs) I have the least experience. Like, okay, so we'll try it. Now, I've never met this dog. hadn't been to the part of the state that they were in. And I ended up describing their whole area, described what the dog looked like. And I went on this remote viewing journey with this dog while this dog was out roaming the neighborhood. And I described the neighborhood, including the fact that there were mysteriously no kids. Like there was, it was very quiet and it, but it was in a city. So there should have been kids. And I ended up seeing this dog going almost to what looked like a dead end street. And it wasn't a dead end street, but I could see the dog going into like this, like plant kind of area. And I saw this like yellow and black sign. And I saw just lots of like green and like a garden type area. Well, it turns out what I was seeing as the end of a street was really a victory garden in the neighborhood that this dog had wandered into. And the yellow and black sign that I saw was actually golden yellow because in my head, I'm seeing like what looked like a street sign, you know, those yellow and black street signs. Mm -hmm. And when they validated it for me later, they weren't able to find the dog, but the person who brought the dog back described where it was. And the dog went exactly where I had outlined in the map in my mind And there was a gold and black sign labeling the victory garden. It was like, whoa. And I I was a beginner at this point and I had no idea what I was seeing. So it's interesting, like how things get translated in your brain. And I easily could have looked at that, been like, oh no, I I didn't get anything. It was, you know, because I didn't get the gold and black sign and I saw a dead end road. But if you're the size of a little dog, that forest that I was seeing could absolutely be a victory garden because I was looking through his eyes. So in my head, it's like this big giant forest thing, but he's a little dog. I'm thinking as a human, that's what I'm seeing. But like, really it was from a dog's perspective. And it was like, you know, he was in plants that were much, much taller than him. So sure. It's going to look kind of like a forest if you're, you know, 12 inches off the ground. (laughs) It did help me to balance the 
is what I'm getting real. And so anyway, so the person who's questioning my abilities, the other person they were talking to said, well, okay, then how did they find a dog in a town that they've never been to? And that shut the person right up because you can't cold read a dog that you're not even around. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like I could see the dog's body language. I hadn't even met the dog. And so it's those, I, whenever I am doubtful of like what I'm getting or my abilities, I go back to that moment mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, yes, yeah, th- this is, this, this is real for me. It is. And for the people I work with who are able to validate. And it's interesting. I've gotten validations one time, six years later, I got a huge long email thanking me for information that I'd given them that had just then come to pass. So it took six years. Have you had any instances like that? I have. And I think just real quick, going back to questioning your own abilities, I think that's healthy because for anyone who's actually mastered anything, you know that once you've mastered it, you need to relearn things all over again. And that's what keeps you progressing. Yes. So to keep progressing, you do have to keep asking your, you know, yourself and question your abilities. And another important part about that is as you progress, your vibration changes and some of the things that even signs and symbols that you're used to, those might change as well. Oh, yeah. So you need to keep questioning yourself because your abilities are going to progress and they're going to change. Some things will go away and some things will amplify. So if you are questioning your own abilities, you are in the right zone. So do question it, but don't stop. Yes. I just wanted to go back and and cover that. That's a great point. Yes. So I think in questioning your own abilities, I've had that happen because you do think, oh, I'm full of it. So you know, personally, one of the, my husband would always ask every time he travels, is my plane going to crash? Is my plane going to crash? And I always tell him, no, I'm like, your plane's fine. Your plane's fine. So my husband's somewhere on the West coast and he calls me up. He's like, is my plane going to crash? And I remember something shifted and I felt very calm. And I said, it's not going to crash, but don't get on it. And he laughed and he thought, and I was like, no, I'm, I'm serious this time. He's like, wait, what do you mean? I'm like, no, don't get on it. There's something wrong with it. I said, it's not going to crash, but just don't get on it. And he said, okay. And I was like, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it, but just don't get on it. And he called about five minutes later. He said, you won't believe this, but they found something wrong with the plane. We're going to be slightly delayed because they have to swap it out. And so I was like, there it is, you know? So, but at first you're like, I don't know what that means. It's not going to crash, but don't get on it. You're like, that's two completely different. Like, I don't understand, you know, why, why don't get on it, but why it's not going to crash. So the plane was unsafe. Don't get on it. But there was going to be something that shifted that you wouldn't get on it anyway. So it's not going to crash. They're going to fix it. So wow. even getting a little bit of that conflicting information, you're like, this doesn't make sense, but you just kind of say it out loud. It, it, it comes from someplace else too, sometimes. So that's why you question it because it's almost like, well, I didn't think that I just said it. And sometimes you don't even remember what you said and you do question. You're like, oh, that's weird. Where did that come from? And so again, you know, you, you question, you know, especially with conflicting information, you're like, well, two different things don't make sense. And then when it, when you get that validation, you're like, oh, okay. Now I know what that meant. So 
you kind of have to be okay with being in an unknown space for a little while. And sometimes you don't get the validation or it comes out a little bit differently. I had actually warned somebody I worked with yesterday. I said, watch out driving this weekend. I had a dream that you got in an accident and they said, okay. I was the one that ended up backing into a pipe yesterday at a gas station. So (laughs) I was like, okay, whose message was that for? Maybe for me, but there was an awareness of, you know, be careful with a car. I just didn't know who it was for. So I, but I still passed it along because I was like, Hey, I don't do this all the time, but you know, it's a close friend. So they totally understand these things for me. So, you know, sometimes you, you get, you know, that's another thing. Sometimes you get wrong information or you get it differently than how it's Mm. supposed to be delivered or anticipated. So that's another thing to talk about is, you know, what do you do when you get the wrong information? Well, I think the idea that psychics have to be a hundred percent to be authentic is absolutely a fallacy put on by overly edited TV shows. Now, I love these shows as much as the next person. I'm not going to name them, but they are overly edited. Whenever you see a TV show with a psychic or medium, you are only seeing about 15 to 20% of the actual recorded content. So that if they read 20 people, you're probably seeing the five most accurate readings of that session. I want you to think of other professions that are not a hundred percent that frankly, the stakes are far higher, like doctors. Doctors are not a hundred percent and yet we really need them and want them to be. That's a job where it's really important. How many people have joked about very well-paid weather people who have gotten the weather wrong about 50% of the time? especially in New England. Oh my gosh. Where if you just wait a minute, the weather's going to change. Yep. And yet they still have their jobs. Nobody's like, you know, there's a joke or two about them, but nobody's lost their jobs. But man, if you have like an intuitive or a medium or a psychic who is like even 10% off, you're like, oh, they're a fraud. They're fraud. That's it. They're fake. Mm -hmm. They're fake. It's like, no, absolutely not. There is this great book, I forget who it was written by, but they talk about how sports people, in the book they were referencing a basketball player, professional basketball players, miss their shots most of the time, and yet they're superstars. But like you have an intuitive who misses like two or three shots out of an hour session, and it's like, oh, that's it, they're fake. Or they didn't get that one symbol that I had asked for my loved one to come through. And it's like, it's not quite how it works. Like, it's great when it does. But every intuitive gets their messages in a different way. And if they're not coming through with that one signal, maybe they were picking up a different loved one. Maybe they were picking up on a different side of your energy that you weren't even paying attention to. So that one signal that you're looking for and hoping for is overshadowing the 10 or eight other valid points that they're trying to make to you. So that's something to be aware of when you are listening or in a session with somebody that sometimes the information is wrong because they're just having an off day or maybe you're not connecting well. And 
somebody who is good and ethical will say, you know what, let's reschedule. We're obviously not having a connection. Let's try this again in a week or two. And that is normal. And that should happen. I've had to do that where I've rescheduled because the connection was just off or I switched modalities and I went into something else and started getting information in a different way for them. Psychics are not a hundred percent. They aren't, they're human. They're human. And sometimes the connection is off. Sometimes you're blocking it. You're sitting in a reading and you're blocking it because you don't want to hear certain information that can absolutely stop the flow of intuition. Mm -hmm. That's one of the quickest way that and a lack of confidence in yourself as a reader will stop the information. But yeah, it's shows and, you know, certain podcasts, they're edited. Just like when you look at an Instagram picture or a Facebook post, you are seeing a tiny snippet of that person's life in Instagram. And you're like, oh my God, they have the perfect life. I want that house. Guess what? They rented that house and that's not even their house. Or, oh my gosh, I want to be in Paris just like they are. And they have Photoshopped themselves there. So you're wanting their fake life to be your real life when they don't even have that fake life. (laughs) Or have you seen the people who rent the jet planes for an Instagram photo? So they they look like they own this private jet. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, they rented it. Or they just like, hey, can I take a picture? Like, you know, like, no, no. And, you know, so intuitives are the same way. Mm -hmm. I really feel like a good intuitive for a main line should be about 65 to 70% accurate or better on average. You're going to have the good ones who are to like 90% on an average reading, like the ones who may be new or less, you know, secure in themselves, they might be hovering a little more around 60, 70%. You get somebody who's at 30%, probably not somebody to go back to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this goes back to, to questioning your own abilities when you, I don't think you get wrong information. I think sometimes you just misinterpret it. Oh, all the time. And you deliver it a little bit. Yes. You deliver it a little bit incorrectly, or maybe it's not even meant for them. Maybe it's meant for them to pass to somebody else. So I don't think there's any such thing as wrong information. I think it's just misinterpretation. And again, question your abilities all the time because you want to make sure that when you do get information, you're questioning how you're receiving it and how it should be delivered and who it should be delivered to. So questioning is important. Don't again, but don't shut it off. Just constantly check in with yourself and then check in with your guides, check in with your abilities to make sure that you're able to as accurately as possible, deliver what you're receiving. And, you know, usually before I start a session, I always add that stipulation that may everything flow to me easily and accurately. May I hear accurately and may I speak accurately? Yes. That's one of the intentions I set before starting any session. And I think what you said about the misinterpretation versus wrong information, I think that's, that's a good way of putting it is that oftentimes it's not wrong. It's just misinterpreted or it's for somebody else. You know, when the other side knows that you're going to go see somebody who can connect with them, you'll get connections from like your neighbors or coworkers or the brother you haven't talked to in 10 years. So you think it's like, no, this is not connecting. This isn't making sense. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, the clarity comes. And then you're able to give that validation. 
that happened with gallery. I had this family that kept coming. Like, I want to say they'd been there six months in a row and the same spirit kept coming through all the time for them very consistently. And then one day I did an in-person session with them and we were able to figure out who it was. And it wasn't one of the, I, I don't think it was like an immediate relative for the people who were sitting there, but it was a relative of somebody who was like upstairs, like during most of these sessions. And they were like, Hey, and they called them down and like, do you know who this is? And it's like, all of a sudden it just, everything clicked into place and they figured out who it was, but it took six months of them going, yep, nope, still don't know who this is. I'm like, well, they're still coming in for you. And then finally it's like, and once they realized who it was, it was like, oh, everything started making sense. Like all the details I gave were just like, like almost like dominoes, like, like we're just, everything fell into place. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. So I think another difficult thing that psychics don't talk about, and I know this has happened to me personally, is I'll be doing a reading, energy's flowing great, I'm content, things are good. I get a piece of information and then like a wall, something says, don't tell them that. Yep. And it's so difficult because I don't know. At first, I didn't know what that meant. And now I kind of know why I'm not meant to deliver that message. But when you're in that space of, you know, flowing with information and delivering it and you get a piece of information that they're not meant to hear from you and you get that really you know I get a physical feeling of almost like a wall coming up don't tell them that it's like the whole thing just comes to a full stop and I have to navigate back on track a little bit so I think another thing that no one talks about is what do you do with information that you get that you're not meant to share and you're almost like shut down and told from your guides don't tell them that so I think that's another interesting thing to talk about that psychics don't often discuss? So something that I have told my students in the past, because for those who don't know, I've run development circles uh, for years. And so I have a lot of metaphysical students who are learning how to hone their gifts. And I had one who was getting very dramatic information like car crashes, but she couldn't figure out who it was. And I looked at her and I said, what is spirit expecting you to do with that information? Stand on the road corner for two days, holding up a sign saying, slow down, you know, or she'd hear about fires that were going to happen. And what I tell my students who get information like that, and this falls into the category that you're talking about, you're doing a session and all of a sudden you get information that you're not supposed to share. If you set up ahead of time and say to your guides, I do not want any information that is not healing, helpful, or empowering. So information that you cannot share doesn't fit into any of those categories. It's not healing because you can't share it. It's not helpful because well, you can't share it. And it's not empowering because again, you're not allowed to share it. So what was their purpose in giving you that information? And I think if you can set up that boundary, it will help you to get information that is actually useful for both you and the person you're working with. That is a healthy boundary to set up for yourself, for any of my you know, fellow intuitives out there. Use that because that, that is important because it, it is very disempowering to you as the 
healer to get information you can't do anything with. I learned a long time ago, I don't want to know about birth and death. Don't want to know about it because it's not going to help anyone. I can't stop it. You know, like, what can I do with that information? And if it's about death, well, now you're just putting fear in there and fear is not empowering. It's not helpful and it doesn't heal. Now, the only exceptions I've gotten to this were when a family kind of needed to mentally prepare, but I don't ask for times. I don't ask for dates. It's like, you know, you might want to spend a little extra time with this person. I think they need you right now. That's what I'll do with that kind of information. Mm -hmm. I will not address with my guides death at all because I don't want to know it. But if I get that feeling like, you know what, might be time to reach out, might be time to have some conversations, spend a little extra time with them. That doesn't mean if we have a session and I say that to you, that mm-hmm. that's like, oh, that's the set. No, no. Cause you know, if somebody is, if somebody just needs you in general, that message may come up too, but typically that's how I'll word it. You know, you have to be careful. It kind of lines up as well, too, with not only getting information you're not meant to share, but getting information that you just simply don't want to. I've had to set up boundaries before where I'm like, I really believe that people come to a psychic because they want they want something positive. They want some inspiration. You don't want to deliver bad messages, but you want to, you know, kind of help them navigate through what they're already going through. And so there's been particular readings where I've seen things that I have to tell my guides, no, positive information. I don't want to deliver this message to them right now. Back up the timeline. I actually had to do that. I had to back up a timeline because I was seeing two or three years ahead for a specific reading. And I said, no, back it up to the next few months. That's what they need to focus on first. And over the next few months, there was, there was a lot of things they could work through positively. And like you said, to set up the intention of what messages you want to receive and what to deliver is really important during readings. You know, I always look at, and when I work with, with groups who are developing, I always say every reading should be fall into one of a few categories. It should be healing. It should be helpful and it should be empowering. Something that we are going to address in a later podcast is the ethics of reading. And to me, that really starts touching on that zone of what does an ethical reading look like and and what does a non-ethical reading look like? And I do think that that is so important that not every information you're going to get is positive, but if you get future information, I always say, if you get future information that you don't like, that's because the universe is giving you an opportunity to make some energetic changes to shift that into a different direction. Kind of like when a doctor tells you, you know, if you keep smoking, you're going to have six months. Well, now they don't know for sure. They're giving you a prediction based on what knowledge they have. That to me is what future information in a reading is like. Like past, you can validate and present, you can heal. Future is changeable. Anybody who says, oh, it is written in stone, mm -mm. we have free will and we have the power to change what happens to us. I do think that with fate, there are certain points that are kind of fixed points, but there's so much room in there 
to change how we arrived at those fixed points and what we can do in those moments. So like if you ever get negative information, you can always track it back and be like, okay, how can I use this in the present to help them redirect their energy into a better future? Yes. And my grandmother, actually, we had been talking about psychic abilities one day and she said, psychics know as much as you do. And I thought that was interesting because even subconsciously, we know what choices we make are going to bring us to which potential future. So they kind of help us navigate a snapshot of the current energy. Yes. Things can change. So don't think that it's all written in stone because we do have free will. We have choices. You might be leaning toward a certain choice. They're going to give you that future timeline of things to expect. After meeting that psychic, you could say, oh, you know what? I'm going to make a different decision today. Yes. And that's going to completely change everything you just heard in that session. So, you know, depending on, again, it's the snapshot of the current energy. It's what you already know. They're going to kind of guide you through what's currently going on. And I find it interesting too, JD, that sometimes you will deliver pretty valid information, but the person you're reading for doesn't validate it. So I think that again, yeah, sometimes people change their mind as they leave, but sometimes people change their mind in a reading and or not even change their mind, but they're not expecting you to pick up on the current energy and they're surprised. They're a little bit shocked. And so what do you do when you have a client that you've read for that completely just tells you everything that you say is wrong instead of saying, well, you know, I'm going to make a different decision today. That's not the path I want to go down or to actually be confronted with what's actually going on. And that person's not ready to hear it. Like, how do you even work with that? And, and, you know, and not question your abilities after they've told you that's not true, even though you, you're pretty sure it is. You know, this has happened to me more than once, not often. That is actually pretty rare. But I want to say maybe over the course of 10 years, that has probably happened to me six times, just, just about, which is pretty good. Like, I'll take that. What I will do is first, I will say, okay, you know, let's look at something else because they're not ready to hear that. But if they keep on with the, nope, this is wrong. Nope, this is wrong. Nope, this is wrong. Then I stop the session and I give them the option of, of coming back on another day, or we just stop the session right there. And because they're not ready, they're not ready to hear from you. And then sometimes, you know, if they ask for their money back, I'm like, all right, done. I've had one where she was like, keep it because it was your time. And I respected that. It's the kind of thing that if I'm working with somebody new, I actually we'll set up shorter readings first. So if I have a new client, I prefer to do 30 minutes or less. And if they want to lengthen the session, they can. So this way they can get a feel for me. Or if I think this person might not be ready, I'll invite them to a gallery. I'll say, hey, come to the gallery, get a feel, get a feel first. So it almost stops that moment from happening. But if you are in the middle of it, I say, just stop the session. Don't, what do they say? Don't beat the dead horse. Like if it's not working, it's not working. You know, it's like a hairdresser. 
go to the wrong hairdresser. It's like, it's a relationship. Sometimes relationships work. Sometimes they don't. It's not a reflection of me and it's not a reflection of them. They just simply aren't ready. And when your ego is in a good place, you are not relying on that person to validate your gifts anymore. Do you know what I mean? So I think once you can take your ego out of it, you be like, all right, this isn't working. Good luck. Have a great day. Done. I did have one who was in a gallery setting and that happened and their friend nudged them and said, you know who she's talking about. And the person was like, well, I just don't want to talk to that person. And I'm like, <laughs> look, and I can understand why it was a very toxic relationship when they were alive. There was some abuse going on. And I can understand not wanting to talk to them. And I said, look, I said, this person is going to come to every reading you go to from here on out. I said, if you acknowledge this and let them say their piece, they're not going to bother you again. But I'm like, they're going to keep ruining every like session you have from now on, just until they get to talk to you, just talk to them and be done with it. Like clean your hands of it. But yeah, so it does happen occasionally. And thank goodness. I am at a point where I'm secure enough that I don't let it bother me. But in the past, it did. I want to say one, maybe about six years ago. And it really, oh, it it cut to me until I realized that they were trying to scam me. Wow. And that happens too. Like, you know, oftentimes you think of the psychics as the scammers. Actually, oh my gosh, going way back, way back. There is a person who is calling each person in our group. They were going through the whole reading and then refused payment because they said we were all wrong. Hmm. And what they were doing is they were trying to get free readings. Wow. And I'll tell you, you know what? That person was then blacklisted. And those names for the record, they do get shared in the community. So it's not like people go and talk about their clients, but if you get scammed, and actually as a life coach, I've had somebody try to scam me four separate occasions and they always use the same line and unfortunately the same misspelling. So I know exactly like it's some weird, I think trying to like do like a credit cardy type scam, but yeah, those names get blocked immediately. It's like, no, it's one thing to not be ready for information. And it's another thing to just try to scam someone, you know, and you don't think about those tables being turned like that. Yes. Another case of that too, is the opposite where someone will absolutely validate everything that you say, but they don't want to hear it from you. So they start psychic hopping because they either A, don't want to hear what you have to say, or B, they want to hear what they want to hear. So they're ready to pay somebody to validate their beliefs. But if you come at them with the truth, they're like, okay, thanks. And so those names get shared around too. I have a very close client who has gone to a number of people who keep telling them the same thing and they share with me, oh, I saw somebody and they said what you said. I'm like, that's great. But how many people do you have to see before it sinks in or before you keep going to hear what? So a good psychic will not tell you what you want to hear. They're going to give you the truth. And unless you're ready for it, don't pay them. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that is so important. And, And yes, that has happened. There was somebody who I worked with years ago who I like to say had one too many gurus Mm. because they also were absorbing every belief that came their way. And instead of finding their own truth, 
it was like, well, this person said this and this person, and they held on to every belief without sifting through what felt right to them. You know, I once had a person who was training me in this and she said, keep the best and leave the rest. And I thought, man, that is such a wise statement, not just for this work, but anything. If you're shopping for anything, you find the best, you keep that, and then you leave everything else. And I think when it comes to seeing an intuitive, you want to take what resonates with you and leave everything else behind. If you are learning, so if you're somebody who is an intuitive and you're taking a bunch of workshops, hone in on what actually resonates with you instead of trying to absorb and keep everything. Mm -hmm. It's almost like spiritual clutter. You're just holding on to everything. And at some point, you're going to stop listening to your own inner voice. A good intuitive session will help you find your truth, not give you your truth. They'll help you find it. They're not going to give it to you. They're not going to give you something you don't already know. Some of the best sessions are people when they leave and they're saying, you validated for me all of my feelings. Not because they told them to me, but because that's what I was picking up on. And it validated questions that they were having that they didn't even bring into the session. A good session will help you heal. It will empower you to trust your own gut and your own instincts. Because there is not a person listening right now who does not have some amount of ability. This is not some special mystical thing. Everybody has some amount of ability and the idea is for you to learn how to trust yourself. That's always been huge for me is to always leave clients with a set of tools that they can take with them. You can start to develop some of these things. And let's go back to you question your abilities. You question the reality of what you're getting. Just work with it. And I think that's the thing is finding a place, a community which is really what we're trying to grow here at Visit with Spirit is a community of people who are learning about this and, and want to find out more about what they're experiencing and how. And like you said, just demystify the whole process of it because it is stuff that everybody has and everybody works with and, and people have to kind of learn to learn to live with and find other people who want to learn what they have for abilities as well. Oh, Wow. We covered a lot today. We did. Absolutely. So if you have any questions, feel free to email us anytime and we will get back to you as soon as we can. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for listening. And until next time, may love and light surround you and your loved ones. Thank you for joining us today for our visit with Spirit. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any questions or comments or would like to be a guest on our show, email us at visitwithspirit at gmail.com or find us on social media. Until next time, may love and light surround you and come back again to Visit With Spirit.